Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about how to interpret the jobs report, the 10-year yield, and what he expects to see as far as demand ahead of the spring home buying season. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here on Jobs Friday. It is great to have you. We had a really fun last time we were on here when you talked about the silver tsunami, and boy, did we get some feedback on that. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See <laughs> see how much... How much People love Logan Unleashed. Sarah, can we remember that, especially when we go on the door tour across all these cities? Just let Logan Unleashed on every city. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I'll, I will remember that. Yes. As, as someone noted before, you know, I'll take that into consideration, but we did, that was a great podcast and this is going to be a great one because we were talking about jobs and what this means for mortgage rates. So first break down the jobs report for us. Yeah, it was, it was a really interesting day um, for the uh, uh, bond market mortgage rates because we had such a wild kind of spread on the 10-year yield. The headline number beat right away. Uh, the 10-year yield went up to about 4.8%. And then people started to read the internals of the report. Bond yields started to come down. And then the ISM report, the, especially the employment index, just tanked. Uh, in, in a very aggressive fashion. And then the 10-year yield shot right back down. And then the 10-year yield went up back above 4%. The last quote is 4.04%. So everybody's trying to make a lot of, it's so funny, we go from, oh, the labor market's strong. Oh, the labor market's weak. Oh my God, the labor, we're going to recession. Oh, the bond market, you know, so let's calm everyone down. Breathe and let's keep focus on, you know, eye on the prize. The labor market is slowing down as it should, right? And I just want to let everyone know, we just re remind everybody of our economic work. And I'm going to say we, not I, Sarah, okay? Uh, during the COVID-19 recovery, it was a basically, because I work off economic cycles first. I'm a housing person second. The COVID-19 recovery was going to be sharp and fast. Once we retire the COVID-19 recovery model on December 9th, 2020, we said a few things on the labor market. Number one, job openings are going to get to 10 million right? Something that nobody ever believed, not even the job openings people. We got to 12 million. That 12 million number is now down to 8.8 .8 million. That is actually on a nominal term. That's a very big, big drop. But this week, what we saw is that the quits ratios, the things that the Federal Reserve wants to see, they want to see the quit ratios come down because the Federal Reserve wants you to earn less money. Wage growth in their eyes is bad, 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 too much wage growth. So uh, wage growth is slowing down. Not as uh, aggressive as some people would like to see, but we're still running at 4.1% uh, or 4% on the BLS numbers. So the quit ratio is pre-COVID levels. There you go. That's what the Fed wanted. That was one of their check cards. Then the hires in the job openings levels is below uh, uh, COVID uh, levels as well. So the internals of the job openings data is getting softer, not breaking, but softer. Uh, then we have the ADP report. I always tell people out of all the four jobs and jobs with ADP report, not the most valuable one. So we, we don't spend too much time on that one. But the jobless claims data, now this is the key. Everything revolves around jobless claims data. Why were all the recession people wrong? Because they didn't have a, a point in reference on when the labor market needed to break or a number to use. So they just went with the recession of all of 2023 and it backfired on them. 
We don't really want to get into a recession talk until jobless claims break over 323,000 in the four-week moving average. That number, good. We're almost back below 200,000 again, right? 10-year yield went up on that, as it should. But this report right now, the internals are just slowing down as it really should have. And I always go back to what I talked about a, a, a while ago. We are going to get a lot of jobs until we get to about 157 million to 159 million. We're already above 157 million. At that point, the jobs data is going to just naturally slow down. Population growth, the baby boomers are leaving, all that stuff. That would be pretty normal. We're in that full stage right now. But some of the internals are showing a little bit more softness, but not breaking. And as long as... And hopefully that could, you know, the 10-year yield rising the last few uh, uh, days because the labor market is good. It looks perfectly normal because the labor market isn't breaking. It's getting softer. So the Fed should have its hello McFly moment and realize that the growth rate of inflation fell without a job loss recession. So we don't need to jeopardize the labor market for you to not get your 1970. So I'm hoping that this year, what bad Fed, good Fed talk, they start doing the rate cuts, and then we start to get something uh, uh, very productive going into 2024, but also into 2025. Okay, so what is ISM? You said the ISM report. I don't know what that is. It's a, it, it, There's these uh, service, manufacturing service index uh, uh, prints, uh, whether it's manufacturing or the service side, that's the service jobs print. Usually, you know, this thing starts to break very fast in a recession. It was a very, very, very fast break lower in that report, which might be just a one-off. But if I was a Federal Reserve and I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, whoa, why are we playing with, oh, wait a second, we're old and slow. We don't care. Yeah. So this is not, the bond market had a very sharp reaction to that, but it's, you know, I'm a claims guy. So I, of course, I think the Fed should be cutting and should should cut 75 basis points just so we could get something to neutral as they told us, or unless they fed like wanted to lie to everybody about their core PCE talk. So um, slowing some weakness internally, not breaking uh, the 10 year yield again, four and a quarter on the high end, uh, 3.21 on the low end. Gandalf line is still there, 3.37. As long as the economic data stays firm, we should be in there. If the 10-year yield goes above four and a quarter, okay, the, to me, the economy is outperforming. Um, you know, you could definitely on a technical basis look at 4.40% if we hit the upstream. But I, I think this is one of these days where I, I look at financial Twitter and I see all these smart people and everybody's trying to make something and it's just a lot of noise on one report. So let's take them all together. Right. The job data is slowing down, not breaking, slowing down. The quit ratios are back now. Right. So the employer, you know, the 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 bosses have a little bit more advantage now than the employer. We always say the labor market, a tight labor market is good for everyone because, you know, it, it gets wages going. The Federal Reserve doesn't want that, guys. No. You getting wage growth? Mm. No, 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 no. We have to make sure that everyone stays in line and nobody starts quitting their jobs and forcing people to bid up for wages. We, we, we won't tolerate that. Um, so I think it's that that's the, that's a simple way to take it. Softening looks normal to me. Uh, breaking. No, not with jobless claims uh, this low. When jobless claims break over 320, I, I will sit here and have this entire new discussion. We're not there yet. Uh, mortgage rates have made up, of course, a very big move lower already on a technical basis. We had a very key level on a 10 year earlier. We bounced off of that. So we, again, we focus on 
all economic data 24-7. We hold everyone's hands. We're not going to abandon you. We're going to talk nerdy 24-7. We're going to guide you through this every single day to try to make sense because it has been very crazy after 2020. And I understand why there's a lot of confusing uh, uh, discussions out there. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about 157 to 159 million. That is just getting all the jobs lost back from COVID, correct? No, I mean, that's not all the job. That's where, so the, the best way how I, how I explain this is that if there was no COVID-19, let's say there was no COVID, never existed, and we were still running with the longest economic and job expansion ever recorded in history, that's where we would be today. So we're, we just officially broke through the makeup labor ban. This is just my take on this. This is why I've said, you know, we're just going to have these big numbers, big numbers until we get to past 157 million. <laughs> then the labor data should slow down, right? We're, population growth is slowing here in the U.S. The baby boomers are leaving, right? So it's really hard to have like really big job numbers in that uh, in that backdrop so that's that's why i always say once we get here we should we should slow and we have been slowing down we've been slowing down for well 12 to 18 months we always get these negative revisions on the labor part it looks normal to me um, um but people last year took negative revisions and and everything and just went straight into the recession modes. that's just a lack of experience right or as i call it, wall street because wall street is called a recession <laughs> like every year since 2010 and they're just like Oh my God! The do you, do you guys realize this? That after 2010, every recession call on the economic side was incorrect. Wall Street and they sit here talking about this recession and it never happened. And it's not like these people ever get fired. You could be really bad in calling a recession, and you'll probably get a bonus in Wall Street, right? Uh, just just let me let me explain to everyone. Wall Street is full of it. It's a marketing thing. If you notice why a lot of people are very bearish, they just want you to get you in, right? It's like the silver tsunami, the silver tsunami. Ooh, here it comes. Silver tsunami. Here it. Oh, new listings data trending at the lowest levels ever recorded history. You can be this bad on Wall Street and get away with it because they want you in. They got to lure you in. Pinocchio, come on in. Come on in. It's, we got a fun time here, you know? Um, but every single recession call has been wrong because it was COVID that gave us that very brief recession. And then some crazy person wrote a COVID-19 recovery model on April 7th, 2020. Um, so things are a little bit different. Just remember, try to stay away from the noise and focus on the things that matter. That's my job. My job is just to hold everyone's hand. And remember, because there's a slow dance, that slow dance between the 10-year yield and 30-year mortgage rates. That's what matters. That's why we have to focus on what drives the 10-year yield. And and we're kind of in the upper band of the range for 2024. And again, to me, anything above four and a quarter, the U.S. economic data has to be outperforming in that sense uh, to get us there. So you said job openings 8.8. .8. So you were one of the very few people who said jolts 10 million. I mean, you you were doing that. I remember when you went to the beach and you wrote it uh, in the sand and it went on uh, Instagram because you were like, we have to get this makeup demand. Uh, in jobs. And then it, it went past 10 million, went to 12 million. Now we're at 8.8. .8. What does that mean to you? Well, here's, here's the thing. Everyone hates the job openings number except the Fed. And I love it. I love the job openings number because like in the previous decade, I always said like my target is like, we're going to get to 6.21 million. Everybody's like throwing tomatoes and cabbages. <laughs> There's 96 million people out of work. Logan, what are you doing? It's like, you guys hang around with a bunch of losers. Right. You know, like I always say, like, who are the angry men in this world are the sexless men 
who don't have a job, who don't know, have their life together, and they don't know why women won't get with them. And they're always angry. They're all, oh, there's 96 million people. No, dude, it's just you. Get a job. Get your stuff together. Women, see, one of the things I love about America, so many things I love about America, but our women kick ass in this country, right? You know, they're more educated True. than men. They're harder workers than men. And they do not need to sit there and like, the guys think it's like 200 years ago where I'm just a man and you have to know. Women got much more game. So guys can't keep stepping up. So there it is. You got problems. So they think 96 million people are out of work. That's a whole gimmick line that was used in a previous expansion. So job openings, the Fed does not believe you could have a real big job loss recession uh, with job openings this this high. I would argue a, a different thing. If you take the trend line of job openings from 2008 and just draw a black line. Sarah, you know how much I love my black lines, right? We just you draw do. that black line. You love line to draw black lines much, on charts. Yeah, we Yes, we're pretty much where job openings should be. And consider this, every single month, baby boomers leave, right? They go, which I hope some of the Fed people go with them, but they're still there. Um, and then uh, what, what occurs is that job opening looks pretty normal to me, but the quits ratios and the hires are actually now pre-COVID levels. So that extra buffer that some people think we might have is not really there as much. Uh, there's a lot of people that just don't like the job openings because they think that it's it's over exaggerating. Uh, uh, and, and in some cases, that's true. But listen, we had a very tight labor market. Wages went up. The job openings was high. Just go with that. But the internals of the job data is getting weaker now. So that that's that's a material thing, at least for me. And, and I'm the job openings guy. I'm the 10 million job. I mean, you know, it was it was I think it was May of 2021. We had a missed jobs report. And I like tripled down on the job openings, a uh, 10 million call. I was, like, I was like, no, we're paying people not to work. No, no, no. I was like, nope, we're going to get to 10 million job openings. Literally, there's parts of the U.S. economy that can't function right because of COVID uh, policy. So when that gets together, we're, we're going, we're going to get there. So uh, the internals are softening there. So I think we're just, we're just in this, we're just in this spot right now to where people see the jobs growth slowing down and the negative revisions. And they think that's breaking, not there. Not there yet. When when we see breaking data, boy, jobless claims just breaks, right? And the reason I take that 323,000 number, okay, because we don't make stuff up here. If you take the civilian labor force, you ratio it to the uh, unemployment jobless claims number, there's a certain percentage that happens in every single recession. We're still very low on that. So we still have a, we still have a ways to go. Once we break above 300, then we'll sit here, we'll talk about recessions, but we're not there yet. Uh, and this is part of the reason I think the, if, if jobless claims were running at 300,000, I'm telling you, the 10 year yield is fighting that Gandalf line right now, right? We're just pounding in there and seeing we're not there yet. So we haven't broken in the labor data. So this is a good thing to bring up because I do think that when people saw the headline number here, um, I think what I saw was people saying, oh my gosh, you know, were we too optimistic about where mortgage rates were going to go or if they would get there quicker? Because I mean, everyone in our industry, we need those mortgage rates to come down, right? I mean, housing people need mortgage rates to come down from where they've been. So we're very optimistic. So, you know, from your perspective, you would say, calm down. It's fine. Nothing's changed on that. Uh, I mean, to me, to me, everything looks, looks normal. Uh, if anything, because of the job openings data, labor is getting slightly weaker than maybe um, some of the more bullish people have thought. But outside of that, it's just it's a trend, right? Uh, and consumption. See, the thing is that this is the reality, Sarah. Every part of our economy has functioning demand 
even the new home sales market is relatively doing better than the existing home sales. The existing home sales market is basically at the levels where the great financial recession is, right? It is depressed levels. And we have a lot more people working now and we have a lot better demographics than we did back then, right? So this is a sector and, and I, I, I'm telling you, the Fed doesn't want to talk about this. They're so uncomfortable because I, I don't think they get it. Right. I, I, I think there's they've always been so uncomfortable talking about housing because I can I just see the internals. It's just not not quite there. And here is one sector where we actually do need lower rates. So, of course, short term rates didn't create a recession, but long term rates created the housing recession. This is why I always say I've never I haven't even taken my housing recession call off. Right. Because it's based on the existing home sales market. New home sales are growing double digits. Builders permits are growing. That's fine. That's the that's the economy. It's, in fact, this was a. One of our readers actually said, you know what? I went back to your six recession red flag model and you, you had these two things that needed to happen for the, uh, uh, the economy to make sure it's not goes into Russia. Number one, rates have to go down. The 10-year yield did fall. The builder surveys went up. The builders started to provide lower mortgage rates. So in a sense, the 10-year yield and mortgage rates are lower for them. The new home sales means a little bit more to the economy because of construction jobs, big ticket items, right? Those things are different where the existing home sales market is basically a transfer of commission and, and moving trucks, right? Uh, uh, so the two different sides. So the so that worked. Then the growth rate of inflation had to follow that worked. And let's remember in 2022, literally people thought Europe was going to freeze to death and the war and Russia was going to get bad and oil was going to go up. So there was a lot of negativity back in 20. The growth rate of inflation fell. That's good. Then it's number three was like, hey, we need the Fed to stop hiking rates. There we go. We got them. But the last one, we need the last one to get a soft landing. Think about it. Why, why Wolf, just let it happen. Let the soft landing go. Cut rates. Talk dovish. Get the bond yields down. Nobody's going to die. Inflation's not going to take off again, right? Make everyone happy. So it's just this, these last little things, right? Because honestly, if the 10-year yield was below 3% and the spreads were better and people were buying homes, even my most aggressive recession Wall Street types would probably say, oh, that's not happening this year. They're just, everyone's hanging on the housing market to create the recession. So I think that's that's just the last piece right here. So we've got everything in there. We just need cut rates, bond yields to go down. People buying homes, right? Buying homes, having sex, having kids, living the American dream. This is what we do. And we're sitting here and we're like, but the 1970s, oh, the world got up to the... So we're still dealing with that crowd. So once that's over, we're good, right? So we're almost getting there, but... Uh, uh, a little bit more work has to be done. Do you think the Fed will cut rates at this meeting? Uh, I, I I believe March is in play. I think we we, we have, uh, of course, the CPI data. They are too restrictive based on the models they told us. So I'm I'm not saying this because Logan Monashami wants rate cuts. They gave us a model to work with. We're doing it and everything that happened. So they're obviously not hiking anymore, but the growth rate of inflation fell more than they thought. And it didn't create a job loss recession. So here it is. You have the victory. It's like it's like Jay Powell's the pilot and they're landing the plane and somehow Jay Powell jumps out of the plane, goes in, turns off the uh, uh, lights to the to the to the to the landing area like an airplane. And I'm like that ah, guy and he doesn't want to do it. Just, just land the plane. Come on. What are you doing? Why are we talking about the 70s still? What's up? You know? 
I, I really appreciate all the airplane references. That is a very funny movie. I haven't watched it in, in a couple decades, so I don't know if it holds up. I don't know if it's one of those that you go, oh, oh no. Oh, it, oh, it holds up. It holds up. It always, because every time okay. I see it, Jay Powell, the barking. <laughs> Look at all these Fed members are right here, you know? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, what else? What else is going on this week that you want to talk about? <laughs> well, number one, we're, we are now starting the, the, the new year. So, again, housing is very seasonal. Uh, so we're going to do the tracker. I think the tracker, the inventory, like for me last year, going on CNBC and telling people, I think new listings data is going to grow, right? Because we haven't seen another leg lower and we're working from the lowest levels everywhere. Like we are so depressed on new listings data. Silver tsunami didn't work, uh, but we're so depressed there that, you know, we have to be able to grow just a little bit, just because I think that was such a one-off after July. So we want to see new listings data grow. We want to see new listings data get back to 2021 and 2022 levels. Uh, so the tracker article is going to be very critical, active inventory. What I hope is active inventory bottoms very soon and then starts to rise. That's what I want. Uh, I don't want active inventory bottoming out in March or April. I want, we want to get, remember, supply is a function of demand unless you have a recession. Right. So we want more active listings, more sellers that are buyers. This is, this is the one thing. Remember, for everyone here, Active inventory grew for seven years from 2000 to 2007. Prices didn't fall, you know, in, in that period of time. So in, in that context, uh, what we what we need to see is active inventory grow, demand grow, positives for the housing market, because then we don't have the uh, savagely unhealthy, too many people chasing too few homes. This is why we just need to get off of these low active listings data. You know, I had a really good question uh, uh, one of the crash addicts today. Well, what about monthly supply? Monthly supply is a function of demand. It it must be high. I go, dude. Monthly supply is at three and a half months. So I took the monthly supply data of 1999 to 2014, and the annual monthly supply for the NAR data was actually 4.7 months during the period that had this record-breaking demand because it was a credit base. So monthly supply is lower than that, but. Wait a second. Sales are much lower. Yes, just because active listings are very low uh, out there. So we want to see going out in in the in especially in the next uh, four to five weeks. We want to see the seasonal bottom happen soon. We want to see new listings data grows because they're working from ex depression levels of new listings. Sellers or buyers get something going in the housing market, and then imagine the ten-year yield falling and mortgage rates fall. More demand. People buy homes. The world's happy. The Fed lands on the plane. And we can move on uh, 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 throughout the year with a, with a little bit more cheer. So uh, it's very key to follow the tracker. We're going to get that out uh, this uh, week. By the time this podcast comes out, you've already read it. But especially the next three to five weeks, it'll be key. We'll see the purchase application data. We'll see how it goes. Remember, I'm not one of these really big housing rebound demand people because of, you know, the affordability is an issue. But we are at a much better place than where we were at 8% mortgage rates get a little bit lower, but we're kind of still stuck in this low 4 million range. I think now everybody, now that everybody's, we're in 2024, everybody could realize why for many years, I just said, this area is just really hard to break under, right? Because there's that core buyer, that 4 million core buyer is there. And when you take about existing home sales and new home sales, you put them together. You, you, I mean, we're roughly near, not at 5 million, we're headed uh, uh, toward 5 million total home sales in uh, 2023. So just lower rates, more demand, land the plane. Everybody's happy. Nobody needs to lose their jobs. Do it, Jay. Jerome, I'll just go with it. So on the tracker, um, as Logan said, you know, you, you write this on Friday night, Saturday morning. We publish it on Saturday afternoon around noon or, or a little bit later. 
Um, and it goes over things like the 10 year yield, mortgage rates, inventory, purchase apps, and then what's coming next, what, what to look for. So let's talk about purchase apps a little bit, because that's, that's a key level you're looking at. And it was really different at the end of last year and the year before it kind of broke the pattern. What do you see this year? You know, it's funny because post COVID every year we've had a a run in purchase application data. So we, we, that happened again. Uh, I, I never count the last two weeks of the year. Anybody who does that, if you want to show your rookie card, I am a rookie. I put value in the last two weeks of purchase application data during Christmas and new year's Eve. There's your rookie card right there. I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, in any case, um, we had six positive trending weeks when rates were falling. Right. So we, what I joked about, we want to get people reading and counting. Oh my God, Sarah, if I could get a country to read and count, I'm ecstatic. Doesn't seem like so too I much to, to like, ask. I'm just like, come on, you're an adult, dude. Seriously. Second grade education, you could count. So if we take the, if we take the six weeks of falling mortgage rates uh, and application data, it was positive. It was a positive trend. We take this, we take the last two weeks of the year out. And then I, I usually don't even count the first week of the year. What we want to see is the second week of January to the first week of May, we want to see growth. We don't want to see like it going nowhere or flat. We need to see this data line growth. And this is why I say that mortgage rates, if we didn't go to 8%, we're still relatively high right now, right? So can we get growth? Now we've had some growth when rates fell, but also we're working from a lower uh, range. So we have to get that equilibrium of rising purchase application data, second week of January to the first week of May after May volumes fall. So it'll be very imperative to keep an eye on how the market reacts to 10-year yield moves. Uh, because when we've seen this, when the 10-year yield rise, we see weakness in demand. When it falls, it gets better. That has stayed constant after kind of uh, 2010. So that's why the tracker is designed to keep everyone. Because, you know, it, it, we literally basically were flat for the year last year. Like we had 23 positive prints, 24 negative prints, and two flat prints. for, And that was with mortgage rates with 6 to 8%. Imagine mortgage rates heading below 6%, a trend for a year. Right. The new home sales sector has shown us you can get growth in that environment. And it's not asking much at this point. This is why I really want people to press the Fed on this. Like every sector of the economy is is, is on demand side looks fairly somewhat normal, but the existing home sale market is. And now that the growth rate of inflation fall, what what do they believe in that? And housing is so such a big component, not only to the economy, but also to the uh, uh, general public right there. And uh, we got to get people moving, buying homes, doing their things. That's, you know, a, a young country, you know, household formation, buying homes, having kids, kids going to school. This is, this is what we do. Right. And we're not fighting the seventies wars, but with that aside, the, that first few months of purchase application data is really key. Uh, we make some seasonal adjustments and stuff like that, but we always want to see that relationship between the 10 year yield and 30 year mortgage rates and what it does to the day. It was really noticeable last year. Like, Rates fell down, demand picked up, rates went up, demand fell. So it's just, uh, uh, and, and altogether, not much happened that year, but we need to have growth. We need to have at least majority of the of the year have positive purchase application data because you're working from such a low level. Like it, literally, I, when I tell people we're working from the lowest levels ever, I'm not joking. I, I take the civilian workforce, how many people were working, man, per, this is the lowest demand in housing ever. Right, it's a very low bar. We should be able to break it, but we do need a ten-year yield to fall. We do need mortgage rates to fall when we get some traction on that. We saw that um, toward the end of last year, and hopefully, we continue that uh, going into twenty twenty-four. 
Hopefully we do. Logan, thank you so much for walking us through the jobs report and all of these things we're looking at. Uh, the, the main message again, calm down, land the plane. It all looks normal. And, uh, we will, I will, uh, be looking at the tracker probably tonight. You love to look at all the data on a Friday night. And cause that's <laughs> what I do on Friday nights, baby. That is what you do. <laughs> so everybody can look at that. I also would say to everyone, um, uh, look out for our, the gathering. Um, that is our, we, we have consolidated our events into one event for both real estate, mortgage, and then also, as always, appraisal title, everybody in the housing ecosystem. That's going to be in April. Logan is one of our keynotes. It's going to be amazing. He has a special thing planned for that. And then we're going to close out that conference the same way we did um, the Housing Wire Annual with a live podcast where people can um, join us and, and talk. What will not be the same is I will not be losing a contest at, on this stage this time, like um, apparently I did last time. So, but I would say Sarah, we, we are, are running out of- Everyone is, um, <laughs> Sarah, we are, people are asking me for that video of your brutal defeat about the mortgage rate lockdown. And I, you keep on telling me it's coming and it's 2024. So I just want everybody to know that's people that are asking me. It's not me. I'm asking. I'm asking Sarah every time, where is it? I think she deleted it somehow. It doesn't exist anymore. I did not. Because she doesn't I want. think it's actually available. The people but... are asking for it and it's just not here. Okay. Also, I would, I have, I would take umbrage at brutal defeat. I do not think it was a brutal defeat at all. I'm not even sure. I. No, really there was, lost. there was two hands raised and possibly a third one. Come on. You know what? You could, you couldn't see everything in that, in that auditorium. This is a fight oh, for another Sarah, day. I, but Sarah, I, I see everything. <laughs> but I'm I a basketball that, um, player. I, peripheral vision, right? This is what we do. It was dark in there. Anyway, um, don't miss uh, the gathering because we are already almost full of for um, the hotel block we have. We have so many people already signed up. So don't miss it. Sign up and you can get to see Logan live and Logan and Sarah live. So thanks so much, Logan. We will talk to you again soon. See you soon. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.